0: This is Central Texas Life with Ann Harder.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to Central Texas Life. I'm Ann Harder and today we're going to dive deep into the world of Brazos Forum. What is Brazos Forum you ask? Well Nancy Moore is here to tell us uh, what this and this is a a group. It's like, is it like a club, or it's an organization? Okay, that has
2: been around since 1986. So this is our 36th. It's the 38th year, but because of COVID, it's our 36th annual presentation.
1: So you kind of coming back. That's right, <laughs> and that's to. that's why you want to get the word out because yeah. you have got a fabulous program uh, that is set to uh be on October 19th at the Mayburn, Mayburn uh, Museum Correct. in that wonderful theater, a the great theater there. Um, the, the key thing that you do, okay, kind of focus on history and, and arts and that kind of thing, right?
2: Yes. The lady that started this back in, in 1986, Jean Epperson, had the feeling with several other ladies that she had talked with, that the South and Texas in general were looked down upon culturally by the East Coast. No. So they decided to do something about it. Well, of course. And they created Brazos Forum, where they would bring in nationally known speakers to talk about topics. And they chose to relate to American decorative arts, which included history, architecture, landscape, gardens, porcelain, silver, you name it, anything that was included there. But one of the goals was to try to offer scholarships, i.e. free attendance for students and their teachers that were studying related topics. Because if we don't encourage young people to appreciate these types of things, we're not going to have anyone to go to our galleries, to our museums or our concerts, or anything that's important to those of us that are here now.
1: Yeah, the, the history that they represent is our history. And if, if we just let it go by the wayside, which very easily could happen, um, particularly the arts, I mean, we find in schools, if budgets get tight, those are the kind of things that go first. Exactly. So, and we're having that
2: problem now with... Mm-hmm. Buses are not available because of cost, and then substitute teachers have to be hired. Mothers and dads can no longer drive the children. That can't be a cost saver. So there are a lot of workarounds that we have to do, but it's working. And now that COVID's passed, we hope for the (laughs) time being, then we're hoping to get back to what we were doing before. In the past, Five or six years, we have sort of uh, broadened the type of themes that we use each year. In the early days, they were very specific and somewhat more academically oriented. Mm -hmm. But in today's world, people have the connection to the Internet. They have so many options that we feel like we want to offer something that is enticing, entertaining, but also informative and educational
1: well you have got an amazing program set for the 19th um, that is a thursday correct, correct?
2: a wednesday
1: oh a wednesday. wednesday okay and it and it it's like a full day it is of activities and programs and when things.
2: this began it was 3 days really if you can believe that and it had tours in the afternoons oh my goodness and, uh, speeches in the in the mornings it had luncheons and dinners and attending plays and came
1: That's a lot of there. planning though. It was. Yeah. It was a great
2: deal of planning. And then as things evolved it came to two days. Yeah. And when I became involved in two thousand and four, it was we had five speakers over two days. We did things in the afternoon. And the one thing that, that I helped change was that a lot of the activities for the luncheons were held in homes. But that meant that the ladies who were doing that couldn't come to the talk. Right, they
1: couldn't enjoy. So here they'd work yeah. all year
2: to get this going. <laughs> that's true. And they were at home fixing. And the they lunch. wanted
1: they wanted to provide that, yes. you know, for everybody. So yeah. we
2: started having it at local restaurants and whatnot. And now mm-hmm. we're at we stay at the Mayburn. We have lunch on the mezzanine. You don't have it's to leave your yeah. car. Mm-hmm.
1: It's all right there. Yeah. Oh, and that's great. And of course, the Mayborn Museum is just. Wonderful! Their
2: theater is perfect. It is it for what you amazing do. Amazing lines. <clears throat> we have a choice of different types of equipment that the speakers can use. If they want to stand at the podium with a mic, or they can walk around with a headset or a mm-hmm. wobbler. Mm-hmm. So it really is, and their technical assistance is.
1: Oh yeah! I mean, you can do powerpoints, and you've got all the the visual support as well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's talk about this upcoming. Uh, and you just do the one.
2: A That's year. all once a year.
1: Once a year. And uh, this one, though, is, is really uh, an interesting thing, ha- having to do with enduring symbols of the United States.
2: That's true. It, it sort of is an, another evolution. In 2020, when we started planning for the theme for that year, our current president, Don Davis, wanted to do something that was presidential but not political. Right. It was a, Sure, it was yeah. an election year. And so we started planning and we wanted to do something with the White House Historical Association mm-hmm. so that it would be the White House but not the political part of it. We looked at Arlington National Cemetery, which we're still doing. We, and then our third one of that year was going to be the, the Presidential Libraries. Mm-hmm. but
1: Which we've COVID. got several in Texas. Right, and yeah.
2: COVID changed all of that and we had to cancel the next year we talked with our speakers they were all very involved and wanted to come back then 2021 was Mm -hmm. cancelled well this year when we started planning we decided that we were so far away from the election year and so forth that we didn't want to just Focus on one or the other, that we wanted to look at a whole group of things like the war memorials and so forth. Oh, yeah. And Arlington yeah. National Cemetery had proved to be very problematic. It is run by the Department of the Army and the Department of Defense on two levels, there, plus the National Park Service is involved mm-hmm. and the Cemetery Association. It had taken me 18 months to get permission for the curator to come to speak on it so when i called her to see if she wanted to come in 2022 she said i'd love to but you'll have to go back to the chain of command again (laughs) started all over and at the same time the director of the bush library in dallas who was going to speak on the presidential libraries was under a travel ban still
0: (sighs) All the libraries
2: are under the National Archives, and of all the governmental agencies, they are the most strict about COVID rules. Mm-hmm. So we really kind of started over again. Mm. But we, we kept most of the same ideas and have feel like that we actually have an even stronger program with the people that we have now.
1: Well, you have an amazing lineup. Let's talk about the different presenters you have.
2: To start off, we have (coughs) a man who has served in the Marine Corps, so he has a military background. When he came out of the Marines, he went to college, and during the summer, he learned about a possibility to take tours. He to work as a tour guide Mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C., and he just loved it because Arlington National Cemetery had always been a special place to him, and history had been a a special thing. He grew up in New Jersey in a farmhouse in rural New Jersey that was built in 1758. And he said that it was his fifth great-grandfather who used his Civil War pension, whatever they're paid when they were Mm -hmm. dismissed, to buy that house. Really? So he had grown up, seeped in history. And when he started doing these tours, he found out that was his absolute dream. So once he graduated, he opened his own company and now he leads tours and has a staff, but he focuses on Arlington National Cemetery and he's going to talk about the protocol, the rules, whatnot, how all that's involved there, but he's also going to tell us about the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier Mm -hmm. and how meaningful that is. And then the thing that I think people know the least about is the Sentinel, and those are the, the U.S. Army soldiers who guard the tomb 24-7. Right. And a lot of their protocol had been sort of veiled in secrecy for years. So it's really something that I think most people, they don't know that they wear the heels of their shoes are slanted so that even on the slanted slope of that area they walk, they're straight and the gun over their shoulders at the proper angle. You know, I would never know this sort of Just
1: minutiae. I mean, it's my understanding they're never to have drunk alcohol.
2: This is, I have heard that.
1: I don't know if that's t- that true or not. I'm really
2: interested to see what yeah, it tells that. us because mm-hmm. I had heard that they had to sign pledges of mm-hmm. all sorts of things. And yeah. they definitely, while they're on duty, they work hours polishing their brass, polishing their shoes. And, of course, they have all of the official protocol while they're actually on duty.
1: Well, I've had the privilege of seeing the changing of the guard at the... Uh at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, and it it is so moving. Well, Buck will tell us about why they
2: walk 21 steps and how they do their turns and all of that. So I think that whether you've visited there before or if you've just seen it in pictures or movies, this will be kind of a new exposure and a new experience with Mm -hmm. both the cemetery and the tomb and its sentinels. And then our next speaker, it, Carolyn Moraskin, is also a Washington, D.C. tour company owner and guide, mm-hmm. but she's also a licensed architect. Hmm. She started out designing buildings, particularly historical restorations and anything to do with urban planning in that area. But after about 10 years, she decided she liked to, des- to actually talk about the buildings and the architecture rather than designing them. So for example, I think most of us have either visited or seen the Lincoln Memorial. Sure. But how many people have looked up at the top at the frieze around the, the top of the columns mm-hmm. and seen the ovals that are for the, representing the seals of all the states that were in the union at the time it was built. Hmm. Just little architectural details like that. So she'll talk about all of the war mm-hmm. monuments and memorials that are uh, along the National Mall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know that there are people who haven't visited D.C. that when you say mall, you think of shopping. You, you think of shopping mall.
1: Well, no, it's a long, long, grassy area. Yeah, exactly. that's the National Mall. Yeah, With
2: the Smithsonian Institute sure, buildings right all along and so mm-hmm. forth. So she'll tell us about that. So I think there'll be a lot of little... Hidden secrets there too. Yeah, you sure. All learn something, and then our third speaker, Matthew Costello, is has a, a very long pedigree. But the primary things is he is the senior historian for the White House Association Historical Association, and this is the arm that was started by Jackie Kennedy when she was trying to retrieve and replace all of the major pieces of furniture decorations and so forth to the white house they said for the first century of presidencies when the president left they took things with them
1: yeah uh, they treated it like a rental (laughs) they were they were there okay i'll take this and give stuff away and uh, rather than viewing it like a museum oh they had no
2: thought of that whatsoever they said that they even Auctioned off things to earn money for whatever they wanted. To oh do my next. goodness. So <laughs> it was not until much later That anyone thought about trying to save things mm-hmm. But at this point the White House is an accredited museum. It's sure. gone through that process and since Jacqueline Kennedy then many things have been returned families have willed them back to the White House. Good, good. And the entire, the White House is actually administered by a um, curatorial staff. I mean, they're all very learned, very knowledgeable, so that they really can keep it up, keep take care of it, and preserve it. Mm-hmm. But Matthew said that he will Tell us some of the backstories, some of the things that even if we've toured the White House. Yeah, you wouldn't know. <laughs> that's right, that, and of course now the White House tours are very different from what they were 20 years. Ago. Yeah, it's
1: been yeah, it's been a long time since I took a White House tour. And it just we I'll used to be able different. to
2: to see more of the rooms. Sure, it was much more open.
1: Well, now, after 9/11, I'm sure a lot of things
2: everything changed. In fact,
1: I'm a little bit surprised anybody can still tour it.
2: To be honest with you, it's very difficult. You mm-hmm. have to make reservations in yeah. advance, and what you see is you can see on yeah.
1: the line. Well, it's so fun to think about DC. I've had the privilege of, of going there some. My uh, middle son and his wife lived there, and, and I can remember going to visit them, and at night, you know, driving, and you see these beautiful monuments lit. And I thought, what would it be like to be just living in a place where oh, you, you don't even notice them anymore? And, and and we go and it's like oh, there's the Washington, you know it's it's just it's kind of like us visiting the mountains for exactly. <laughs> people that live in the mountains. It's uh, just and, and we're just awestruck, you know. But that's how I felt about about Washington D.C. and the and the different museums and things. And what a wonderful idea to bring that to life here in Waco. Well, it's I'm in
2: particularly interested in it because for six years my husband was transferred from Waco to outside of Maryland Yeah, with the Lehigh Cement, and mm-hmm. we would get on the metro and ride into D.C. and visit one of the Smithsonian museums when you can do it leisurely so you don't get museum overload.
1: Right, which you can if you're just going to be there a few days. Right. You want to see everything, and then you kind of don't remember anything you saw. So, you know, I just became very yeah.
2: attached to all of the different things and, but they just keep adding new ones so you never yeah. really see it all.
1: You know, and it's it's of the you you mentioned the war memorials. Um I and I cannot explain it, but you know, I the World War 2 memorial is just, is beautiful, but as I walked up to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial and and have no family member that lost their life in Vietnam and or anything like that, but it just is such an emotional... I just started weeping when you see all those names and you see people, you know, doing a little rubbing. It was
2: really inspirational, that sweet It really was. It was. And then, like you said, all of those names, and you know each one represents a loved one one. of many people.
1: And it's... uh,
2: I have sort of a similar feeling at the Korean War Memorial with the more than life-size bronze statues of the men walking through the rice paddies in the rain and they're right, raincoats. Oh yeah. yeah. And you just feel like you want to go up and hug them and thank yeah. them or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, that you know, each one of them has its own special feeling and, and regard connected to it.
1: And there's one more special thing happening. Royce Montgomery, my good friend, yeah. who is one of the best singers you'll ever hear, he can do, he can sing. Motown, like nobody's business. <laughs> we so he's going to be performing for you. Roy.
2: Wonderful Royce. Right. We recently, I guess probably about four or five years ago, we started adding a mu- what we call the musical interlude. This is just kind of a little light extra that we included in our programs. And Royce was suggested, and it just sounded wonderful. Oh, so he's
1: good. <laughs> he is
2: amazing. I've enjoyed visiting with him yeah. and getting to know him. So... We're looking forward to that. And then one of our wonderful local Waco people, a professor at Baylor, and he used to write an article for the newspaper Mm -hmm. and is very in demand as a speaker, David Smith is going to do concluding remarks. Mm -hmm. And that sounds kind of like not that important until you've heard David do that. (laughs) He has a knack for listening to all of the speakers and synthesizing what they say and pulling it together and tying it up in a bow. Mm-hmm. It just, it's really... He's brilliant. It's, I
1: mean, he really is. <laughs> he
2: really... conclusion
1: to well, our day. And no kidding. No, and, and everything gets underway. Again, this is the 19th. It gets underway at 9.15 in the morning. It, or there's it, coffee, I think. There's coffee that
2: starts, like, we open the doors at 8.15. There's coffee and, and tea and so forth. And registration, everybody will have a name tag. Then the actual program begins at 9 o'clock. And we have another Baylor professor, uh, another David, David Clinton, who is the head of the political science department, has a knack for introducing people. Mm -hmm. And he does the most amazing, fun introductions. You know, he never does the thing that you all hate, where you read what you just read in the book. Yeah,
1: I can can read.
2: (laughs) So we always enjoy David's introductions. But it does begin at 9. Then we'll have lunch on the mezzanine that's included. But if anyone isn't able to get the reservation in before the deadline, they can still come to the talks. Even if they're not able to do the luncheon, we will mm-hmm. have a waiting list because sometimes people become ill or <coughs> can't have to come. drop out. Right, right, have, and you don't want openings.
1: Yeah, don't want food to go to waste. But yeah, this this is really going to be a wonderful a wonderful event. And uh, your your deadline for those reservations is it's the thirteenth. The thirteenth,
2: mm-hmm. the end of business mm-hmm. on Thursday, the thirteenth of October. Okay, so we have to get the lunch order turned in to Aramark at Baylor. We'll be doing our lunches. They always do a wonderful job. And it's uh, we are just encourage people, if you have come in the past, to come back. Mm-hmm. We want to see everybody that we had seen in the past, but we also want new people to join us, and there is a special price. So it's much reduced for newcomers if you've never been before, you can do the whole thing, all of the speakers, our entertainer, our lunch, for $75. Very good. So that's an incentive to try to get them to to try it out and see what they are missing. And it's, our speakers all sit at different tables at lunch so that you can have, you have a chance, conversation right. with
1: them. Yeah, a chance to visit with them and pick their brains a little bit more. Uh, very easy to sign up. You have a wonderful registration form on your, web, on your website, which is brazosforum.org. Correct. Correct. And uh, just go on there and, and sign up. And uh, there are
2: brochures in the mail, but if you're not yeah. on our mailing list, look at the website or around town we have people putting brochures out in different places they are at the mavering museum since we're holding it there they're going to be in all of the libraries and a number of the banks places where we're allowed to put paper sure <laughs> doctor's offices aren't doing it i know yet. isn't
1: that funny yeah no more magazines sitting around or <laughs> all those things but it's uh and Our website is the
2: best place for more information. You can learn the complete history of our speakers, it tells exactly what they're going to talk about and all your
1: past programs that it are does. fascinating it's, to look back
2: it, it's fun we even enjoy doing that and uh-huh. talking about remembering remember just, yeah just you know the very best speaker we ever had or
1: yeah. well time. this is going to be another mem- memory making one <laughs> what well, you've okay. got coming up because it is really going to provide a, a lot of insight into these Enduring symbols, as you call it. That's, that's what this is all about. And we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to learn a little bit more about Nancy. So stay with us.
0: So, put on your favorite vinyl, grab your favorite glass of wine, tune into our show, and let's have some fun.
2: Wine and vinyl.
0: So, check us out on Rugmedianetwork.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. We'll be talking about a lot. And we're back with Nancy Moore, who is you're the you're the
1: chairman of the Brazos Forum. Is that your title, <laughs> the that President?
2: Is, well, it is called chairman of the board, but what it really means is I recruit the speakers, and that's a big a, job. It's a holdover from the original, uh, the lady who actually originated Brazos Forum, mm-hmm. because. That's what she called herself. So okay. <laughs> there have been about four people through the years who have recruited the speakers. And we talk to the board about the themes. We talk about what we're going. to. Sometimes you have a speaker that you have heard or has been recommended that's amazing. Yeah. So you build a theme around that. Mm-hmm. Other mm-hmm. times you pick the theme and then find people. It's kind of like a treasure hunt. And my very first year that I recruited them, I co-called a very well-known author, and it's Hugh Howard, who had just finished his 13th book Mm. called Houses of the Presidents. And we were going, that year, we were gonna do things that involved the presidentials. And I got his name off of the internet, and when I called, and also this was shortly after, Waco had had a lot of bad publicity, and I was afraid he'd hang up when I was
1: him. You're from start? Waco. You're where? <laughs> but
2: it's, he was so gracious and Aww. so nice, and I probably would never have done the job again <laughs> if he hadn't. It, yeah, way. yeah. But I've been recruiting speakers since 2006. So it's uh, it's been a, a great job. Sometimes it's challenging and frustrating, and I've learned things through the years that it's,
1: well, you've built a network, too. That's
2: right. And it's a fairly I, small sort of circle of people that, mm-hmm. that will help when you need somebody.
1: Right, right. Well, my hat's off to you for being so dedicated to this to this work. And a lot of the people, I was looking at your board, of just so many people that I know so well through the symphony and other uh, local groups around town. Um, how did you get involved with this in the beginning?
2: Well, in the very beginning... My hus—my late husband, Charlie, was related to Gene Epperson, oh. uh, like one of these things, second cousin once removed mm-hmm. through his mother's side of the family. But he was working and couldn't get away during the day, and actually it started while we were living in Maryland, while he was doing his shift up there. And then very unexpectedly, after six years, the company transferred us back here, and it was of like waking up from a coma because things had <laughs> changed but a you lot. didn't know what and you're sort of afraid to ask some of the questions right <laughs> but when we came back we started attending in the past we had only been able to go to the annual meetings which were at night or in the afternoon on the weekends but the second time we attended i was asked to be on the board and i Thought well, that sounds interesting. So I did that, and within a couple of years, then the lady that had been doing the primary speaker recruiting wanted to retire. Mm-hmm. And it was much harder back then. They had to write letters to people, Ooh. and then very you had formal. To wait for an answer, mm-hmm. and that's the worst part. Is <laughs> the people that tell you no quickly. Is well, then you year. can move on. That's yeah. Right. yeah, but if you if you put it out there and they don't give you an answer, you can't do anything no. you e- email
1: has really yeah. <laughs> sped all that up. Exactly, yeah. text even yes and sure. So, yeah. yeah. it's really,
2: it's been a blessing, but mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoy it. It's, uh, I learned through the, through times that you have to ask certain questions, you know, you learn which ones are important, and that, Early on, I learned that I needed to talk to all of the po- potential speakers on the telephone right. before we actually invited them. There was one sweet lady who did a, a, an amazing job through the most difficult situations. Had a, a very definite lisp, oh, and even in the wonderful technology of the Mayburns Theater, it was difficult difficult to understand, to understand her. Mm-hmm. So I, d- I felt badly putting her in that position. Right, right. So we just, but we'd done all of our corresponding through email. Yeah. So it, you do you do learn, hopefully, you learn to do better <laughs> in the future. Yeah. About how many people usually come to these? We normally have somewhere around 80 adults, and anywhere from 20 to one year we had an entire class all of the history students from live Oak. oh and good yeah so we had i think like 80 students too
1: oh what a what a great day for but them it
2: really it was i think mm-hmm. that and this year i think our students are some of them are going to stay for lunch which mm-hmm. is we've had a couple of smaller schools that have done this in the past because they felt like it was a social learning
1: opportunity that's important too
2: sure that they don't often sit at a, a seated luncheon mm-hmm. with adults and have to have conversation and small talk good so mm-hmm. we have tried to encourage more of them to do this mm-hmm. and have found some underwriting to help pay for the lunches oh
1: and that's that's good and of course the the theater there at the mayburn can see quite a few people
2: 178
1: yeah there you go so you've got room and uh, folks need to go ahead and sign up go we to the would website
2: like for them to do that mm-hmm. because we wanted. You know, we don't want to run out of space, but we encourage everybody to do so, and we just hope to see new faces. We would love to have people join Brazz's Forum. We try to have other activities during the year. Sometimes we have bus trips. We have socials occasionally and whatnot.
1: Oh, that's good. Very good. So it, it's not you know you have to be a member of a certain society and learn the secret handshake. None <laughs> of that. None of that involved. It, just just sign well, up if you want to be a part of this. Exactly.
2: We would love <laughs> to encourage a, a broad swath of Waco. Oh, some, absolutely. And in the early right. days, they actually had a representative on the board from mm-hmm. all the surrounding towns: Lorena, Mara, yeah. Hillcrest, Hills, uh, you know, up to Hillsboro, mm-hmm. and down to, to Temple and so forth. Yeah, but
1: you're kind of you're know, reinvigorating, I guess, exactly. after COVID sort of did a number on <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> well, I like to end these little visits with a, a brief questionnaire similar to the one the late, great James Lipton would do on Inside the Actor's Studio. So uh, here we go. What is your favorite word? Love. That's good. I've heard that before. That's a, that's a good one. Your least favorite word?
2: Goodness. Stubborn.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. What turns you on creatively, emotionally, or spiritually?
2: I love the theater and I love traveling. Mm-hmm. Those are my two favorite outlets.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, then what turns you off creatively or spiritually or emotionally?
2: People that are closed-minded and that won't listen to reason that they've made up their minds and no amount of rational conversation will change it.
1: Yeah. Hard, hard lines. Exactly. <clears throat> what sound do you love the most?
2: Now that's a difficult one. I. Yeah, I can. The first thing that came to mind was show tunes. Oh, all right. I love being a the theater lover. That's the yeah, kind sure. Of music that yeah. I'm really fond of. Sure,
1: yeah. yeah. You might hear one from Royce Montgomery. <laughs> yeah. What what sound do you not like?
2: I don't like buzzes mm. that are annoying to the ears. That okay. like locusts and crickets and things like.
1: That. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right because you, you're trying to go to sleep and you hear it and you know it's in the
0: central texas life with ann harder is part of the rogue media family be sure to check out our other shows at RogueMediaNetwork.com. please rate this show five stars on itunes spotify youtube or anywhere you get your podcasts join us again soon for more central texas life with ann harder